This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months, and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. In two weeks till my book, Life of the Party, comes out. So if you haven't already, you go to birdbirdbird.com and you pre-order yourself a copy. You know because I've told you, pre-orders determine how well a book does. Trip flips every Wednesday night on Travel Channel at 9. I'm still on tour today from The Daily Show, from About a Boy, co-founder of all things comedy, my network, Al Magical. This is... Oh, this is perfect. This is a perfect fucking podcast. I don't know why I didn't just do it out of this the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it is helpful to have that guy that just shows up. Well, there's two kids that we use, Jorge and uh, Michael Fent kids. They're men. The- <laughs> they're, they're anybody five years younger than me now. It's just a little so, kid. Have you gotten to the place where when people say, uh, hey, great show, you go, thank you, sir. Thanks. And then you realize that person's your age. Well, also, I say thank you, sir, but also when people call me, sir. Yeah. I'm f- totally cool with it. No, I'm fine. I, I am sir now. I, really? I have, like, used to be when you're 28, and you're like, no, I'm Al. Hey, nope. I thought. <laughs> but you were a sir before, you were a sir before you, even before you got in comedy. Yeah, I was, I do. I worked for a long time. I started late. Really? I started at 28 years old. Ooh, I was 26. Yeah, that's late. Well, 26 is, like, on the border. 26 of, is on the border. Because, you know, you have all these guys, like, Arch Barker, Dave Chappelle, all these people who start when they're 18 years old. Yeah. And go out just right out of high school. They know what they're going to do, and they go and they do it. And me, I had no idea what I was going to do. And so I knew that my parents had a family business. What was it, like uh, uh, glasses? Or no, glass? no, we uh, fired people. Oh, we hired and fired right. people, staffing company. Oh, motherfucker. So I was I event an event, and I fired my first person at 19 years old, and then I became a corporate fixer. So I, if any company had problems, you saw George Clooney did it in two movies, Michael Clayton. Which is more serious, you know, it got yeah. it's out of control. But that's what he did for a law firm. And then he did it in Up in the Air. He was a guy who went around the country firing people. So I went around the Bay Area. If somebody had problems and they were our company that was contracted with us, Al could handle it. So, Al, I got a problem. You need to get down here right away. Two Samoans in a fist fight. Um, people shitting all over the place. Mungs, you know, that people. Know, was, yeah, I've heard of Mungs. Yeah, they did Gran Torino, the movie with Clint yeah. Eastwood. They were all in San Jose. That's where that movie is set. 
and we had them all at a cable assembly plant. So they had made up names for themselves. It, my name is Fook Tran Lee, but you can call me Keith. And she's like, that's so why I had all these guys, maybe a hundred of them, at a cable assembly plant in San Jose, and they were just standing on the toilet seats. So they would stand on the toilet seats, and there was just a break room full of microwaves, and they were heating up food in there. It was just like fucking one of the grossest places ever because they were they were shitting everywhere. Yeah. So I had to counsel a group, a large group of men, on how to shit. I did that. I had people threaten me. I was like, uh, I put up against the wall by uh, these uh, large black medical assistants in Oakland, California, because I also got so good at this. Yeah. That I didn't see any action. It got boring to me. Shut I got, up. I got good at it. So good that I, I diffused it right away. I anticipated all the problems. So when somebody's going to be fired, you warn them twice. And then you can them. Yeah. If it's so egregious that they need to be fired right away, fist fight, anything like that, or yeah. something that's completely like misconduct, then you just can them on the spot. But if they're like showing up late, you warn them. When I would go to warn them, I'd say, Bert... What are you doing to me here? Like, like friendly. Yeah, we got a yeah. business to run, buddy. What do you? I need you here on eight eight o'clock. You're the guy that opens the place up. Yeah. And I mean, what do you, if you don't want to work here? Don't work here. Don't worry about it. But come on, if you're going to work here, you show up at seven fifty five. My kid is late, and I got it. My kid, and I go. This is what we're going to do with your kid. I go. What is taking you so long in the morning? And he goes, I got to make lunches. I go, let's make those lunches the night before. Let's yeah. get you in here on time. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and they don't. And I have a, a frank, honest, like just heart to heart with the guy. That's warning number one. And I can, I go, I don't need to sign, you to sign this that we talked. It's just in case something gets really bad next time. I, and, and that's what I'm thinking. So I signed out. Al talked to me about being late. Yeah. And I'm making the lunches and all this shit. And so sign here, date it. And I put it in their file. And then I would come back. If it happened again, and I go, this is a final written warning. This is can't. This happens one more time. I gotta come back. At you don't make me come back here and fire you. And 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 they're probably thinking he's not gonna really fire me. He's the nicest guy. In the oh world. no, they've seen me fire other people. Before. Oh really? And really? I track I'd show up. <laughs> I'd show up. If you saw me at four thirty on a Friday, people ran. I had guys run from me. Seriously? I walk into a dude's office, uh, like a dude's office, and I go, hey. Brian, how you doing? He goes, I don't know. You tell me, and runs away. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't want to see me. If you if they if you saw me at four thirty on a Friday, yeah, you, somebody was getting. Killed. And that was a that's a shitty weekend. Yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> would rather talk to you Monday. Well, there's no. You want to fire somebody always on a Friday so they have the weekend to cool off. Yeah. And then the Sunday paper used to come out, and then they classified. So then they could start looking for another job. Okay. You fire somebody on a Monday. Then they got all week to uh, plot the revenge. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to always let somebody go on a Friday and also let people know that it's coming. Yeah. I had, to, I had to do a couple layoffs. I had to fire one of my friends because I got some people jobs. I had jobs available, too. I was firing people. I was taking people in and um, went to called him into his own office. And I just because I was bored with this. I was, yeah. I, I didn't want to I want to do stand up. Now I'm starting to do stand up. I quit that place when I was 32. So I'm at 30 years old. I'm really? doing stand-up. So at 28, you start doing stand-up in, in San, Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. and you, But you're still working. I'm still working, firing people from my pa family business. I did a TV pilot and went back to firing people the next Monday. I mm -hmm. just went right back. Really? Because I didn't know. You don't know if anything's uh, going to go. I have a Now I have a one-year-old 
and I have. Uh, so wait, you, know, you met your wife when you were not doing when you were not like famous? Oh, I met my wife at when I had been doing comedy eight months. Okay. So that, for those of you that don't know, let me just put this in perspective. Al's wife's hot as shit, and so <laughs> and totally looks like a Daily Show wife. Like you found her. Yeah. Like you grabbed her. Like. Well, that's what the thing I like about my wife also is that she came in on the ground floor when nothing was happening. So she she was uh, she's invested in this experience. So yeah. when I had to go take a gig, even then when I got the Daily Show and I had to commute. She knows that's important. Yeah. My wife, when I got Montreal New Faces, which is like the NBA draft for comedians, she just said, you got to go. Our child was about to be born. Our first, I was going to miss the birth of my son. Did you? No. He was born early. You ready for this? Georgia was, it was this is a lot le- lower, but it, it'll show you my commitment to the art form. Georgia was about to be born, and we were waiting and I had three works weeks available. David Tell, Louis C.K., and Tosh. Jesus. And my wife's like, let's induce labor. I want you to work for the Tell. That's great. Cool <laughs> wife. So fucking cool <laughs> wife is like, let's induce labor, and I'll sit for 24 hours in fucking sincere pain. So you can do Jaeger shots. <laughs> with a Tell <laughs> and talk about it for the rest of your life. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, I think it's, it says a lot. Of, and you met Leanne when? when you I were... met Leanne when I was a comedian. Yes, like I was, uh, I was twenty eight, twenty seven. You've been doing two years. Nobody knew yeah. you weren't gonna. Oh yeah, but I had, I had. had here is the thing: is like I had money because I had gotten deals. I got a deal six months in. Then I got another deal the next year. And then I got another deal the next year, and I had a TV show in between there that worked for a year. So I had like a ton of fucking money. I had like half a million dollars in the bank, and was just spending it like I had two months to live. That's great. And so she actually was laying in a bed in a hotel room with me in like I want to say like St. Regis or something, and she was like. She's like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a comedian. She goes, no, like, how do you make money? Do you, like, deal drugs? I was like, no, I had deals. She was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, development deals. It's drug deals. Yeah, drug deals. <laughs> so she was uh, she was like, oh, great, oh, great. And then we get married, have a kid, and I run out of all the money. Like, two months before George was born, I run out of all the money. That's also what's great about this is that same thing. It's like the money, the the peaks and valleys of stand-up is that you can have a shitload you know feast or famine that's what it is with actors you have a lot of money coming in then it goes away a lot of money coming in yeah but you but your your career i want to talk about i want i'm I'm, i want to talk like gossipy about your career because you've worked consistently for what like seven years now like on tv Oh, since I got down here, I just right away. Uh, this is I'm on a, a show on NBC right now that just got picked up for a second season, and uh, it's, it's crazy. I don't even know the name of that show. About a boy. You're on about a boy. Yeah. God, that looks so fucking good. I haven't seen it. It looks really good. Ethnic friend. <laughs> Ethnic friend. That's wait, what the key to all this. Is. Tell the story about the time you <laughs> did. Uh, you did some showcase, and you're like, well, wait, why are we getting sponsored by, uh, why by cinnamon? The hot and spicy tour. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, no, no. It was. Um, I remember when the first time I got down to L.A. The first set I did in L.A. I go down and it's a audition for the HBO Aspen Comedy Festival. Yeah. And everybody got HBO comedy T-shirts, and then I went and checked in for my show and I got a tin of Red Hots. <laughs> and I go, what the fuck is going on? Why do I get the Red Hots? And then I, everybody, all my other friends, every single one of my friends was on the Thursday eight thirty show. <laughs> And I'm on Refried Fridays. <laughs> with fucking, uh, this is one of my favorite. 
And then, I, yeah, and then I go and I go with my Red Hots. And I read, <laughs> do you know Becky Pettigo? That's who I drove down with. She's a San Francisco comic. And I go, it's Gabriel Iglesias, hosted by Pablo Francisco, Carlos Mencio, Freddie Soto, God rest his soul. And then it's uh, Jeff Garcia, Gilbert Esquivel. Just like heavy hitters of Latino comedy yeah. at that point. I don't know anything. This is my first set in L.A. And I look at my Red Hots, and then I look at Becky. I go, Becky, I'm a Mexican comedian. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I swear to God, this guy taps me on the shoulder and goes, hola, my name is Mateo. I'm from HBO Latino. Do you mind if I interview you in Spanish? I go, you can fucking try, bro. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work out for you. But it's always been a point. It's like always, you know, I'm working for... This company right now, this uh, Univision company, as a consultant, yeah, and they're like first sponsors to come on board, and they're trying to appeal to fifteen is it McDonald's and Trojan condoms. It's like fast food and trying to appeal to fifteen year old Latinos to twenty five year old Latinos, and condoms and fast food comes in right away, and other people will follow, and they've got to step, you know, they've got to start somewhere, yeah. But like the the sponsors for these things that come in, that um, everyone says they want to be in the business of Latino, but then you know the people that pony up, it's like that's really fucking fascinating. Hot so sauce sponsoring the you know the black tour or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's what it's, it is. It's 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 so funny. I, I I look at it opposite. I go, I always think if you're trying to appeal, you should be the people that. Latinos don't buy from that sponsors the Latino tour. Well, that's what uh, I think. So my friend was talking to Heineken. The Heineken said their number one priority was Latino and comedy and stuff like that. But you know what it is? It's getting down here and having a year or so of not working. I've always had five things going on. So I because you have this little family and I don't want any lulls. I need money coming in on a regular look, basis. But you don't. But you don't strike me as an overachiever. I have not suffered. Just what ha- you tell, talked about just what happened when I pulled up. You needed I've, how many? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. I was finishing up an interview with Amber Lyon, who you probably not heard yet. Yes. And and so and so Al calls me and he's like, "I'm on Microsim," and then I was like, "Fuck!" And I just gotten done this New York Post interview, and I'm like, "I need like ten minutes." So I go, "You know what? Fuck it. I'll just bring Al back, and you can hang out with Amber, and we'll all finish it up, and then uh, they'll leave, and then Al will die, and I'll do ours, and then I go out." And you have this, like, you get out of your car and you're like, wait, if you need five minutes, I can totally clean my car. Like, my car <laughs> needs to be clean. I pulled your hose out. Are you serious? Yeah, I fucking hosed it down. <laughs> and I wiped it with a can. You know how you have to have bags in your car yeah. for groceries? I took one of my wife's cloth bags and I fucking wiped it. Wiped it down. It looks pretty nice. Are, is that how your ma- brain works? Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. This really? This freaks like fucking calls nonstop. I have five jobs right now. So what are your jobs right now? About a da- boy. About a boy. I'm still on the Daily Show. Daily Show, by the way. Uh, the, the, that is the knighthood. No, it's not the knighthood. Let's say, the, I'll say it's not the knighthood. It is the, it is being called a, uh, what is, what is like uh, Princess Diana's brother was a, uh, Lord, uh, it's a, you're like, it's a lordship <laughs> yeah. in comedy. Lordship. That's a lordship yeah, it's like in you comedy. You become a, once you're on that show enough, you become a made man. Like it's almost like Jay, you know, a certain length of time and service on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, you become a made man, which is great because that helps me sell. You know, I love going out and still do a stand up, and so I have um, a deal with uh, Fusion, which is a joint venture of ABC and uh, Univision, where they're English speaking. 
uh, Latino, I have an hour special. Fusion. Fusion. That makes sense. It's like a juice. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you want to succeed in this fucking world, you better learn how to cater to the Latino market because that is taking over. Well, just and it's not even catering to it. It's like being a Latino correspondent on The Daily Show. They approached me about doing my own hour-long um, uh, nightly talk show, the Al Madrigal Show. And gave me a th- they wanted to give me a three-year contract, but I had this about a boy thing happening, which is, by the way, the the greatest gig you. That's could ever the knighthood have. right there. That's the gig. The, that's the knighthood. Is is you I'm get- fourth on the call sheet. I don't know where that. And to explain how it works, the main guy, the 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 David Walton is number one. Then you got Mini Driver. Then you got the boy about a boy, and then you got me. And so I come in, slide in, do three scenes. And have four days off to work on all my other shit. So it's great. It's that's a dream gig. That's like you know what that is. That's when Sean Connery got called a knight because he didn't have to do all the fucking knight training. <laughs> you just get the knight ship. Like just get it. It is great. That's that's great because everyone loves you. Everyone knows you. You're not there long enough for anyone to see any of your really bad traits. You just roll in almost like a one night stand, and and you end your hard. It's for an already funny show. You're one of the funniest dudes working. You're. Hardcore comedic relief. What happens is all the writers start writing for Al because they're like, God, I love when Al comes in. He just slams it out of the park. So you get all the great one-liners. And it's, it's like, yeah. yeah. My characters, it's, I get some great stuff. I've gotten to, they had me be a really bad magician last week. And so that was really fun. Is this your card? No, it's not my card. This is your card. I was yeah. freaking out. Uh, so um, there's that. Then there's Daily Show. Then there's just fusion thing then i'm a consultant for this uh, website called flama which is uh, uh latino funny or die for univision yeah and that's those four things and then we me and bill burr started all things comedy which you're a part of yep. now which is great so we've got those five things Did, guess what I didn't mention stand-up what? comedy uh because <laughs> that's a, i'm going out i'm on the road i'm in portland this weekend i'm in uh jacksonville florida i'm going all over the place i'm going and I'm in Montreal coming up. I think I'm doing an hour. And I have stand-up, which should be in the one spot. And then, yeah. you know, what really is the one spot. You have this family. And, you know, I'm still going to all the games and helping with science projects yeah. and all drink? that shit. Yes. <laughs> you have to. Because you got all that shit. I yeah. just blast it every night. <laughs> as much bourbon. Pass out. Wake up and do it again. Just go, go, go. But I fucking, I think I'm, I'm like, stressed out. A little bit. Um, that's what I wanted to talk about. It's like how you balance it out because ultimately what drives me is I don't want to be you – know, I'm going to name some names. Fuck it. Well, you have uh, Richard Jenny. You know, obviously yep. you have these comics that get to be 50. Or you look at Bobby Slayton. You look at anybody. It's like, okay, it's stand-up, 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 stand-up. And they're great comics and they're great guys. But when you're not on TV, and they'll be the first ones to tell you this, that draw sort of goes away. Yeah. And then people start coming out, and then you stop getting the bookings, and you still have a house payment, and now you're out, and you're on a cruise ship. Like, I don't want to have to do stand-up past the age of 50. I love doing stand-up. I always want to do stand-up. I want to go, Don Rick, like, just do it as long as I want. It'll never stop. But, you know, it's I don't want to have to. I yeah. don't want to say, like, I need, come on, buddy, do me a solid. I, I don't want to be calling up uh, a funny bone. Chris DePetta's son 
Yeah. Or, you know, like, yeah. the pet will be gone by that time. Yeah. Like, no offense to Peta, but no. I, like, I don't want to have to be calling up people who, because you know the turnover rate for managers at these clubs. You know, Doc's not going to be at the Dayton Funny Bone when I'm 50. It'll be some kid that was maybe that a server there. know you, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I remember hearing about you, man, but like. Yeah, you haven't been around in a while. Yeah. And we're trying to go with you YouTubers, and uh, we got a lot of YouTubers. I don't, really want, doing and, well I don't want to also not embrace technology, because I think that's what happened is a lot of guys are like, I'm not. I was sitting in a room one time and talking to him in, in a different television capacity. And I'm sitting with hosts of television. I said, well, what's your Twitter? And he goes, I don't fucking believe in that shit. And I remember execs going, you don't have an internet presence? Like, what are we working with you for? You don't, we believe in the internet. We yeah. have internets. My bosses, my boss at Scripps has an internet, has a Twitter. Yeah, everybody. So, so that's where we started All Things Comedy is because now we want to embrace, like, there's short form content and there's no reason why the comedians can't own the company. And so now we have 43 podcasts. Um, we're putting them out. Um, I'm not even supposed to. When will this come out? When uh, do you want it to? I don't know. Um, I, I was going to put it out this week. I was going to do you and either this week. I'll either do you and Am, or I'll either do Stanhope and Amber, or you and Amber next week. So speaking of Stanhope, is he on? Like he's going to be joining All Things Comedy. Yep. And today so, he's coming over. It. We're doing a late afternoon drinking podcast. There you go. So um, it's it's great. Like we got such cool people on. And then well, what? it is it is the it's the group you want to be in as a comic. Yes, it's it's the group I want to be in. Like I can like and, I'm, and I, it's the whole reason. Like my whole thing with getting with the network was I was like I, I don't know like I don't really have advertising. I don't do advertising, so I didn't want to be like forced to advertise. I didn't want to advertise. We're not going to force anybody and, to yeah. do anything. So it's me and Bill Burr, and then uh, Tom Segura, you and Ari. Ari and Dave Anthony are the ones that sort of make all the big decisions anyway yeah. so it's like i i i just it will never be a company that does anything against like so it's primarily content but it's all embracing like just short form content and digital media stuff that we should all be involved in anyway yeah. and why not why shouldn't we own the fucking company exactly it was it was like i was watching other people start podcasting networks and i knew what they were doing chris hardwick people talk about 15 million dollars was uh, the nerdist company was sold for or in in, in shares and stuff like that as well yeah. but he's doing great i mean he's but he's another guy he's like extremely fucking hard working zero family you know yeah. has uh just solely focused on nerdist and the business of chris hardwick and i feel like i need to Get some sort of focus, but family is the the first thing, yeah. and then whatever happens after that. You know, I'm just trying to fucking hustle as much as I possibly can. I can't imagine your st- my stress levels are through the roof right now. What do you do about that? I see um, you at the treadmill, and you're really trying to work out. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I. For me, a lot of it is if I don't get too fucked up in, at night, then I can manage. But the problem is. It's like even if I do or I don't, sometimes it's like I'd rather get fucked up and then and then have myself to blame for my feelings of like going, God damn it, I'm behind the eight ball. So I'm going to be behind the eight ball anyway. Like I, I – You drinking almost every night pretty much? Every uh, night. No, not lately, not at all. Like lately I – like uh, this is bizarre. The last two Tampa Improv shows, I had like a beer first show, beer second show, and like maybe two beers after the show and then went to bed. See, I can't when I go out and do stand-up on the road. Yeah. It's fucking party time. I can't <laughs> I it, is, it is for me too i just started not drinking on planes that was a big thing for me was that what would happen was i would drink on a plane i would drink so much that the next day i was spent for the whole day and that has helped me a lot but i take xanax 
to fly. Yeah. Xanax is a fucking gift to God. Dr. Drew was like, I'd rather you have a, Z- a half a milligram of Xanax than drink to dial it back at the end of the night. Um, I wish I could just get into just smoking weed. Like, just be like, take a few hits and be like, I'm good. But ultimately, my cardiovascular health is more important to me, so I want to work out. But, like, I, I want a personal assistant. I want someone to, like, go through with me because my day is, like, like, today it went Amber Lyon here at 8.30. We did an interview until 9.30, and then literally I, I hit pause, run out, did an interview with the New York Post, came back, talked to you, finish her, do you, come back, Tom Segura's coming here, then stand up, and then I'll end the day, and I go first thing in the morning to Indianapolis to do Bob and Tom, and then I fly back that evening Jesus. from Bob and Tom, only to fly uh, to Atlanta to do a shoot for Travel Channel and then fly back. I have the Irvine Improv this week. I then go out to do a Good Morning America shoot. Like I'm like, I know stress, but I, I my stress doesn't have – my stress t- turns me into like just get it all done, not achieve for more. Your stress goes, I want to start a company also. That's exactly what it is, this company. It's just and, – and also – like problems with the company have me. See, I'm, I'm, and it, I, it's got to come from this because I was talking about my mom about all these stories. Half Mexican, half Sicilian. Like I feel crazy sometimes. Like I have. <laughs> oh, the Sicilians were all low-level mobsters. That my yeah. when I told my uncle Bob Tarantino, and Skippy Tarantino, Cookie Tarantino, Bobby, Frankie, Joey Tarantino, all these. I told them where I was working down in Fisherman's Wharf when I first started. The guys said. Oh, yeah, I used to control an alley right by there. <laughs> that was exactly what he said. Oh, yeah, I know exactly where that is. I used to. Really? There's a thing called Wharf Rat about my Uncle Bob where they, if they ever had troubles down and down the wharf, yeah. they used to show up. The Tarantino boys would show up like with pipes and uh, threaten people. Are you serious? So that's where they were. And so that's in here somewhere. We're talking about my Uncle Skip used to, like the guys threatened to strike at his meat company. And he just, one man, walked out with a baseball bat and just started smashing all of their windshields. And he goes, you want to strike? (laughs) 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 Just crazy person. And my dad is this little Mexican fire plug. So, like, when I'm so nice, but then I get pushed and I get pushed and then it just stops and I feel like... Heart palpitations. What's your blood go, pressure? Do you ever take it? I get. I go in all the time. Now, really? Say I don't know exactly what the number is, but it's not bad. They always say it's fine. Yeah, that's. But what's I know well, you're in great shape, though. You're. Like, I know when I f- I freak out, though. I really feel like I I don't know what I'm gonna do. And it's starting now. I'm starting to snap. I have all this dad falling down stuff that I'm doing. Like I'm losing it on people. One of the biggest stories in my act is I shrimped my daughter's dance studio. You what? I shrimped it. What shrimped it? I fucking bought see- shrimp across the street at the supermarket, and I fucking hid it all over the place. <laughs> I hid shrimp all over my daughter's dance studio like a crazy person. <laughs> and I called my wife because they were they fucked with me. And <laughs> I fucking shrimped it. And then I call my wife, and I, I go, what are we going to do about this? Because they wouldn't let me in. They were pointing at me, and they go, we don't want you to watch little girls change. And I flew back for it. And everything from the Daily Show. Yeah. And I go, I don't want to watch the little girls. I just want to watch my daughter do the dress, re- dress rehearsal. I yeah. go back for this. And this mom chimes in. She goes, I don't want you to watch my daughter change. And I go, what the fuck? It's happening. I, and the like, heckler instinct kicks in. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I'm talking to this asshole. <laughs> and you're like, and then I just started. And then a guy walks in the studio. I go, who's this guy? And yeah. she goes, that's the lighting guy. 
And I go, ladies, if there's anybody we need to be concerned with, it's a fucking lighting guy. <laughs> the guy. <laughs> yeah, the fucking guy taking a, a, a Pasadena dance studio gig on the weekend. It's <laughs> a fucking guy. Is he left-handed? Yeah. Is he below 5'6"? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so, what they say to the pedophiles. Oh, pedophiles? Left-handed, yeah. short people. That's hilarious. He was. <laughs> he <you> was <laughs> a little... <laughs> so... Uh, then I'm freaking out. They say, you need to step outside. And I step outside. And I just let them have it. And then I call my wife. And I go, what are you going to do about this? They're not letting me in. She goes, we're going to write the nastiest Yelp review. And I go, fuck that. I'm taking care of this. <laughs> and then I go on Twitter. And I'm doing a bit. But this is how it went. How it happened is I get on Twitter. And I go, does anybody have any good revenge tactics? And it was like a fucking asshole beacon went out. Oh, my God. And they God. all started pouring in. Just rolling in. A lot of upper deckers. Upper decker. Yeah, just upper decker. Upper decker. We're going to write a nasty Yelp review. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> fuck the Yelp review. And well, then I saw Seafood I Revenge. Have you heard justice. about Seafood Revenge before this? No. There's a, a sort of urban legend about some a woman in England whose husband cheats on her. He owned the house, kicks the woman out of her own house. Mistress moves in. She still has a key. She goes in with prawns and shellfish and puts them into the curtain rods and sews them into the bottom of the curtains. Like, uh, they're all in the curtains. So now it starts to heat up. It starts to reek. You want to fuck somebody, you hide. There was a a guy after a show came and he goes, Oh, my buddy had a Safeway. They were doing some construction and he hated the manager. So he went to the seafood section and he got a big-ass fucking fish and he just shoved it in the wall. They had to close the Safeway. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. You can't get it out. You know, it's so funny. My buddy Eddie had a fish that died in college and Chris Quinn put it under his bed. Yeah. I think that's how it went down. You'll, but I, you'll yeah. find it. I'm saying you sew it in, you can put it into, and then if you read, Google's shrimp revenge or seafood revenge and read all the stories that come up. So I remember reading about this uh, story. It was, in, it was in a book that my mom bought me about revenge when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Sicilian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to fuck somebody, Allie? My mom bought me about revenge <laughs> in high school. It's true. So... I am reading about the, I'm reading about this thing, and it, it, it so what anyway what would happen with the mistress and the husband is that they had to they got the carpets cleaned, they got new furniture, and they, they listed the house for sale. It wouldn't sell, sold it for way less, took a bath in the house, and then she laughed with glee as they took the curtain rods and put them in the moving van and drove away. So oh. I'm remembering this, and yeah. this seafood revenge. Seafood revenge comes in on his Twitter thing, so I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. Fuck them saying you're going to watch little girls change. Yeah. I'm not watching anybody change. That's it, by, the, by the way, that, that, is, that cuts to the core of me as a man. I go, I'm the last creepy motherfucker you're ever going to meet. I had, my daughter is in this fucking class. Do you know how much money I fucking spend? Yeah. Hey, I, I get to see her naked at home. Yeah. I'm not going to come <laughs> yeah. see her naked at your place. Yeah, yeah, this is my big play. <laughs> yeah, this is, is that... my big play. I, my fetish is watching her change in front no, of other kids. No, but paying for this shit for four years yeah. so I can fucking, this is the ultimate <laughs> thing. So and it costs a fortune. She's not going to be a ballerina or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I then um, go across the street, $3 in my pocket, buy $3 worth of bay shrimp. And wait for everybody to walk in. I hide them everywhere. I said I'm like the guy from Forrest Gump with revenge coffee maker shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> shrimp. You're like corner Bubba? shrimp. What yeah, yeah, that? Bubba Gump. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> put them everywhere. Shrimp in the seats. Yeah, shrimp, shrimp. In, the, shrimp in the seats. Shrimp onto the rug. Rug <laughs> shrimp. Shrimp the printer cartridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, everywhere. And so then I call my wife up. 
And I go, hey, you know that thing we talked about? Yeah. It's done. <laughs> and she goes, what did you do? Did you watch Ray Donovan? It's no, 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 no. My buddy's on Ray Donovan, though. No shit. It was like the same. What did you do, Ray? What did you do? <laughs> Who are you? She, but she really does. There's a big, long pause. And I go, I shrimped this fucking place, and I shrimped it good. And she goes, what shrimping? What shrimping? I go, I fucking hate shrimp did you sh- Did you come in a girl's asshole and talk about with a straw? <laughs> what, <did you> do? <laughs> yeah, what is that? I don't even know what that, that's a thing? That's shrimping? I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I, heard, I heard Jim Jeffries <laughs> yeah. talk about it. That's fucking I, I, By the way, I may have not heard him talk about it, but I heard something that's a Jim thing. Jeffries said about so, it. So uh, I said, I fucking shrimped it. And she's a big, long pause. And she goes, who are you? <laughs> I go, I'm the guy who gets shit done. The- I went. Let me hold on Fuck. one second. I'm gonna grab a soda. Do you want anything? No, I got this thing. Um, she, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no problem. So anyway, I shrimped the fucking shit out of the place. Then I, she had to go back the next day, so she had to go to the dance recital. I was trying to watch the dress rehearsal. She went to the dress, re- uh, the actual main event, but she shows up with kitchen gloves. And a little black bag, and she tried to go in there, and she goes, she's on, I'm at the airport, because i got to yeah. go back to the Daily Show, and she's going, tell me where you hid the shrimp, tell me where you hid the shrimp, and I'm like Samuel Jackson in Die Hard 3 going, they're everywhere, you're never going to find them, <laughs> <laughs> like, you want the shrimp, and so she fucking, she goes, I go, what does it smell like, I'm laughing, like, and she goes, it's fucking horrible, <laughs> everyone's walking around with their hands over their mouth, this was a really hot day, I fucking and I so, love that. So I'm like snapping on people left and right, and I think it has to do with all the stress. Now it's like piling up, and I got to remember, I'm like, I'm on this TV show. I can't be, you know, I don't want to jeopardize that. By say, you see that guy from Scandal just got fired, the black guy from Scandal. Mm. Scandal's a show, a very successful show. It's been on the air for three years, and it's ABC's like a juggernaut drama for ABC. This uh, actor got in a domestic dispute with his wife and then got in a fight at a bar. Canned. What? Just fired. He got in a fight at a bar and you get fired? Fired. Fights in bars. Fight in a bar. Fired. Maybe they warned him. Who knows what happened. But anyway, I'm not going to like jeopardize my family and the career because I got to pop somebody in the face. Yeah. In terms of like rage and all the stress, like I feel crazy. Like I feel. Well, you, you know, it's like you see Britney Spears cut her hair. And you're like, back then? And I was like, God, man, what the fuck's wrong with her? I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Imagine if your world is, is fucking being run by other people talking shit about you. I totally fucking get it. We, I, 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 I was very vocal about stories that were happening with our school of shit where, where people... Because, I mean, people, when it comes to schools and, and people parents, are crazy. people are out of their fucking crazy. mind. Like, and you guys go to a charter school? Yeah. Crazier. Yeah. Yeah. They... Uh, I got a thing with charter schools. Can I tell you what that please. is? Charter schools, if you don't know what that is, folks, in Los Angeles, you decide that the public school isn't good enough and educators don't know what they're doing. So a bunch of white moms come in to run it and they don't know shit, but they think they do. Yeah. So and then it gets really political at the upper ranks. Like political is an understatement of what happens here. Yeah. Like very like political to a point where. And then they say also it's like it's a, it's it's I think it's a racist thing a little bit also to, in some L.A. neighborhoods because it's predominantly Latino. And they like, I don't want my son to feel like a minority. And so they come in, they make it a charter school, they get all this money and they want to not pay for school, but then have a private sort of 
education and separate the the Latino kids out from the their rich white kids and put them in like these specialized classes. It's and shit really like that. fascinating. I it's really <laughs> fascinating. <'cause laughs> there's very few Latino kids in our school. Yeah, because they got the boot. But but literally just over Magnolia, all Latino. Yeah. The high school, all Latino. Until they make it a charter. And then yeah. But it's it's really interesting because there is a there is an underlying uh I never really noticed that. Yeah, there's a weird thing I, I heard um a bunch of moms saying that years and years ago because it was happening in Larchmont has a big one and Los Feliz has a big one. Yeah. And when they were doing the Los Feliz one, it was all the kids that and I'm not saying this is your kids at all. It's yeah. fucking your kids your wife is it adorable. might be my kids. <laughs> <laughs> but they um the Los Feliz one, from what I know, it's a lot of kids that couldn't get into the private schools. And so oh, you yeah. have, like, these discipline head cases that come in and, you know, shouting F-bombs left and right. And there are some troubled kids at these charters with the moms that can't say no to their kids. And so they, these little assholes have been told yes constantly. We tell them our kids no more than we tell them yes. And the uh, some people are the opposite, so they just say, "Yeah, sure, 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 yep. sure." You know what it is, also what fertility kids. You spend eight By the grand way, on I'm having one, and yeah. fuck it, you're not gonna fuck with it. <laughs> 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 <So>. <laughs> <laughs> fertility kids is an that is uh I'm I, like I I'm only not saying anything because I know parents listen to this. Oh from my shit! School. Sorry, oh, not shit. you guys. Not you. Yeah, guys. not you guys. Not you, you guys. guys but you're yeah, cool. You're, like you're totally right, and there is it is a different. It is a different, and, and I've been following Louis with this core academic thing. This core, if you listen to what Louis is writing about on Twitter, no, core academics is like what America's taken over, and so now testing has gotten super difficult. And I have not been; I've been tapped out. I've been very tapped out with our kids when it comes to like the functionality of of them learning how to read, like or like. You and my wife does what. Master's in education, reading and writing specialist. So she'll take your kid if she's behind, if they're behind, and say, "Oh, this is what your kid needs. Your kid is not comprehending." I think Isla might be dyslexic. Have my wife come over and just sit with her for three hours. I, I will. We're, we sit and read with Isla, and it takes forever. And it's like it's not. She'll tell you exactly how to do it. Yeah, she's, yeah. So that's what she does. Uh, so my wife is who give has all these tests she's certified to do all of these tests really? and she'll tell you if your kid what needs to happen so it's it gotten it's weird in the in the state of California is that certain people are allowed to say certain things to certain people so you can't like the specialist at school can't necessarily say Isla's dyslexic that's illegal yeah so you have to then take her to someone else but in order for her to get through there it's got it's like you got to go through a bunch of hoops so by the end of the day it just means that Isla doesn't still doesn't how are you graduated from Florida State yeah Is that, and yep. so you got a degree in it's hanging on the wall somewhere behind so, it. my parents house I'd never got and I went through college. I threw a cap and gown. Yeah. But I cheated, lied, and got through school. I graduated college. Well, technically, it walked. I walked down an aisle. Yeah. Threw a cap in the air. Parents took photos. I, I did was that. graduating. From I did that. And so I had two Spanish credits short of going Two back. Spanish credits? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I looked at a priest because I went to a Catholic college, University of San Francisco. I go, Father, I go, I'm Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get this, man. Don't worry. She goes, a lot of people, son, a lot of people have this conversation with me, and they never come back. I'm like, oh, I'm coming back. I'm <laughs> coming back. <laughs> I never, no intention of ever going back, which is horrible. But 
went because I needed to go right to work. I needed to be yeah. like, yeah, I gotta wash my car. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go to through college, never take math. I never took a math class. I found all these. I don't think holes. I ever took a math class in college. Now I think about it. I had to have. You think? I took Is all of these. Yeah, I think so. I, it's so funny. I I don't think I've ever. I don't know if I ever took math. I'm, I'm really bad at math. So I'm horrible at it. I think like in terms of diagnosing problems, but I went through high school and college. I had a prof- uh, physics professor in high school, last day of school, I'm getting a 35% last day. And I go, Dr. Parker, I think I'm in danger of failing your class. He goes, Mr. Madrigal, for students like you, we don't believe in Fs. We believe in Bs. Enjoy. And then the guy gave me a B. Dude. I had a class. I had. I mean, obviously, everyone knows my story about Russia. Like, I, my teacher said, just sit in the class. I'll give you a C. I need kids to teach this class. I had a class. I swear to you, my teacher called up. It was a film class, and I was so disruptive, but I was so insightfully hilarious that I was. And I literally, I haven't killed like this in a very long time. But everything he said, I had a joke for, and I was making him laugh so hard that he couldn't get through the lesson, and he would then predict my jokes and he'd be like i can't ask this question i know what you're gonna say so he called me up and he said hey listen if you stop coming to class i'll give you a c i was like really he was like yeah he's like i i don't think you're ever going to be making films but you definitely should get into stand-up and you should stop coming to my class because i can't get through it that's hilarious and i was like really and my buddy blair was in the class too blair was in the room and i was like i just got a fucking c he was like wait can i get one and i was like no he wants you in class <laughs> But uh, yeah, those. That, I wonder if that shit still happens or I people a, hear uh, that. I had a teacher at University of San Francisco. She, she said something like, uh, "You know, p- providing external. They were talking about external blame for situations and why people always put, you know, and say blame somebody else for when anything goes wrong." And she goes, "For for example, Al, if a girl didn't want to dance with you, what would you say? Lesbian." <laughs> 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 lesbian like you know, yeah. like she, she talked to me afterward and she's like you know you should really think about stand-up comedy <laughs> like you should really because it was just non-stop just in right yeah. away and i really wasn't the guy that would was always whispering it to a friend um and then getting asked what i said and yeah. then it would be the whole class. It would be hilarious. But I was always understated everything. But anyway, my point of this, all of this is that I cheated. Well, I, I, it's hard for me to be a parent and like emphasize schoolwork because I know what I'd if I could go back and do it again, probably would have started stand up way sooner. Yeah. But I still would have gone to college and gotten a fucking. Degree. I would have gone to college. I would have just taken history classes. I would have taken Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken Spanish and then uh, film and all that shit and learned how to make. I would, yeah. And I would have marketing learned. Marketing business. Like, I would have just known exactly what I wanted to. I would have started stand-up and I would have done stand-up at night and I would have gone to school during the day and I would have definitely focused on what I need to know now. Yeah. I would take an editing classes. Sure. Do all that shit. Film classes, definitely. What? Wait, what? So... Wait, when did you, how did you, what was your trajectory then? So, like, because these are the things I knew about you. Like, when, when like, when, I remember we met doing that Five Funniest People You Gotta Know. Yeah, that's hilarious. But you were, we, the improv did a DVD, it was like no money, and they're like Five Funniest People You Have to Know, and it's, and. Hosted by Pablo Francisco, just oh. fucking white as a ghost, sweating. I l- listen, I will never, I'm never going to talk shit about Pablo, but I will tell you, <laughs> that night. He had got, it was a he bad had, night. He had just rapped, 
doing his hour special, and he had been focused for his, and yeah. this was like an add-on, and he started drinking, and he literally, I mean, by the time he introduced me, he didn't even say my name. He was like, this guy's hilarious. Bring him out. He's my buddy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, thank you, Pablo. Because I'd hung with him a little bit before. Then I remember poking my head into the green room where he was hanging out. And I was like, whoa, hey. <laughs> What's up, man? Uh, <laughs> nice to see you. Just... His parents were there, too. Like, they had oh. just left. Like, all his responsibilities were done. Yeah. And he was like, all right, well, we got to bang this out, too. Yep. Done. Yep. And he had already sweated through two CDs. So we, we met there, and um, that was a long time ago. That was uh, that was good. That was, that was it's got to be like seven years ago, six years ago. Even longer, yeah. And, right. and I remember, but I had heard about you, and I remember hearing you had toured with Chappelle and Hedberg. Chappelle, Hedberg, and then went out with Tosh. Like four years ago, I think um, to see to see all those guys at the height of their careers was just uh, maybe not even uh, the height for Chappelle. Chappelle, I went out on the oddball thing with him last summer, yeah, and that was insane. You know, he was doing twenty thousand. We were doing twenty thousand seaters. He was headlining and talking, destroying, and said, and going out right when he got back from South Africa, when he quit Chappelle's how do you, show. How do you meet these dudes? Like. How do you? It's all through Live Nation and Jeff Wills. So San Francisco Punchline and Cobb's Comedy Club were owned by um, uh, Bill Graham Presents. Yeah, and those are the guys that gave me my very first hosting gig. So I grew up with them, and then I was I was doing a headlining set at the San Francisco Punchline, and I got a piece of paper slipped to me like Chappelle wants to come on, but Chappelle just sat down next to my brother, never seen me, and I knew he might come in, so I did. I was like, I'm going to do my best 25. Yeah, because I know he's going to want to come on, come on stage. Yeah. But sort of what happened, what I thought would happen, happened is he watched me do my best 25, which I was going to headline. So I just, you know, do your best 25. The feature spot, the middle guy, is a very easy spot. And so when I worked with Mitch, that's what happened as well. That's how I became a headliner. I only featured for one year. You think of starting at 28 years old... And started headlining, I think, when I was 32. So I four years of opening and featuring and just like right to, to the end spot because um, Mitch was doing San Francisco Punchline and fucking around doing new stuff. But I was featuring and coming out with my best 25 yeah. not fucking around. And a bunch of people saw. And then I got a phone call the next day that somebody said, hey. You think you're better? You think you're funnier than Mitch Hedberg? And I go, what? No. What are you fucking talking about? Like, of course not. And he goes, well, five of my friends went to the show, different friends, and said uh, that you were. And, you know, I know Mitch is just fucking around. Like, Mitch yeah. is just doing a fucking an hour news shit. Yeah. Because that's what the punchline is for for him at that point. Yeah. But these, you know, student uh, friends of <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. And so he goes, all right, December 19th through 23rd. You're headlining Sacramento. Say thank you, motherfucker. Like that. And so that's how I, you know, was introduced to Mitch. That's how I became a headliner. Chappelle, San Francisco Punchline, doing 25. He sees me, invites me to open for him the rest of the week. And then he comes down to do a comedy store set. So this is comedy store. Mitzi is already told that she said that she wants John Caparulo to go up, if that's okay. But I was like, fuck that. 
knives I could just open for him the week before. Yeah. So I walked right past the security guy. I went and sat right in the green room. He walked. I, you know, I knew what was going to happen. He walked right in because he's cool as shit and said, you want to do a guest spot? Eddie Murphy, Bruce Willis, um, System of the Down, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, fucking God. Who else? Uh, other huge stars were in the audience. Um, so the comedy store packed because it's Chappelle's first set back in L.A. after he walked away. Like he couldn't have had more heat at that point. Yeah. And um, it was. Uh, oh, my God. Why am I? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, in, in the. Uh, and so all these people are sitting down in. Couldn't even look at Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's the reason why I'm here. Yeah. And Saturday Night Live and like Martin Short, Rick Moran, like Eddie Murphy, like those albums, Ron, Delirious. Like I was just so, like, such a big fan. Couldn't look at him the entire set. Did seven minutes. Got a standing ovation with all the comedians fucking trying to pipe in it. And then I got a call the next day. It says, show up in uh, Utah. He goes, I want you, this is weird. I want you to go to Utah on your own dime. And you're going to open for Chappelle. But I want you to pack a bag for five days. And I don't know what's going to happen. You might just get on the plane and go right back. Yeah. So I show up. Who's telling you this? People, Bill Graham? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jeff. And so I show up. And sure, I get to go to these. I got to do the Celine Dion Ballroom at the, the comedy festival like in Caesars. Yeah, I've been there. You're crazy. So That's I'm doing that. That's a fucking gorgeous room. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Rock, I'm sitting in the green room. It's Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, and me just sitting in the green room, chit-chatting about comedy. Can I tell you? What, can I tell you why I'm so jealous right now? <laughs> Not of any of these opportunities, but the fact that you are who you are and you don't feel the need to fill a room up with chatter. Yeah. You, you can sit back and listen. Yeah, and talk just, when I was people just enjoying it. Yeah, and I am not that person. Like I would definitely be like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God, did I tell you what I did? Oh, my God, like, I would fucking ruin those opportunities. I have moments like that, but I'd really try to sit back and, you know, with those two guys who were just talking, and it's just such a cool experience. And, like, Dave couldn't be a cooler guy. Mitch, you know, we had little things, like, little beefs here and there, uh, but other than that, like, I, I love the guy, and, he, you know, it just felt like he needed to take a break and saw that sort of happening because um, I was out with him and saw, like, and I I was just part of the problem. You know, I was definitely out because drinking. Yeah. We had a bottle of Kettle One in the room every night, and I was going out really burning the candle because it was, I enjoy going out on the road and mixing yeah. it up. It's so fun. Well, it's one, of the, it's one the of the great things about this job. Yeah. It's like I remember we did the, I did a documentary that we're looking for distribution now, uh, trying to find, secure some sort of distribution. And, uh, for everyone that's wondering where this fucking documentary is. And so, but one of the greatest parts are two cameramen, my two producers, the editors, the guys who made the film, they got like the first date. They go and they're like, there's like a six pack of Heineken on ice open waiting for me. And they're like, whoa. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, this is great. And then, you know, next thing you know, they're like, when they go to a club and there's no beer out, they're like, where's the fucking beer? We should tell them to have the beer waiting for us. And I was like, guys. It's, this is gonna be a long tour. We're out on. We're out for a year. You're gonna fucking trust me. Just keep it, pace it, pace it. But uh, it's the fun part, and the fact that you're partying with two, arguably two legends, and that's the, your formative years, is watching the way they work, watching the way they write, watching the way they inter interact with crowds. Just uh, 
and, and being on the road, dude, there's that Seinfeld quote. <laughs> I, I love it. The, the Seinfeld uh, thing, the hardest part about doing all these gigs and being out on the road is not letting your wife hear you whistle when you're packing your bags. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, a, you know, I, it's absence makes the heart grow fonder. And yeah. It's just like it really is the family is a good balance for all of this. But when you're you're an independent contractor, I'm going to bring the whole thing back around like we are. And you, you have success. You're on the show and you have the pie. You have people coming out to see you do stand up and everything's working. But there is a tremendous amount of pressure to produce for this family. And you don't as a comic, you don't know when it's going to go, go away. And you just want to yeah. keep working, 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 working. And hopefully it never goes away. For some people, it never goes away. I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind just being low level. I wouldn't mind staying where I'm at and taking pop shots at fame. Like, I wouldn't mind being at this level and doing pop shots. Like, like sitcom deal? Oh, it's okay. It doesn't happen. Uh, write a script? No, nothing <laughs> happened. How <laughs> the book? Book, book. Oh, write a second book? No, yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing. I no, wouldn't mind I, that. I don't need to be have, you know, TMZ. That's uh, the last thing I want is anybody to really know who I am. Yeah. But to go out, and there's plenty of people on TV and in movies and low-budget things that just continually – I just want to be creative and work, and, and you sort of – the question I'm asking a lot of people is uh, – and trying to figure out for myself is, like, what is that level of being comfortable and not having the stress and really getting to travel and enjoy life? And it's like there is this sort of dollar amount and, like, perfect balance, and I think I'm trying to really consciously achieve that balance. So I'm busting my ass now. So I don't have to bust my ass later. You don't want to be the you don't want to be the guy needing it. Yeah, yeah. But in a weird way, and this is going to sound counter, uh, counter, counter what we were saying earlier. My question I always have is, am I cool with it? I don't think I. I don't think I can relax, and I don't think I. I'm. I have a. My brother's getting married in Mexico, uh, in mid June. I'm already thinking about that trip and how unproductive it's going to be. <laughs> really? I have eight days in Mexico, and I'm thinking about, holy shit, I'm not going to be earning for eight days. And I'm going to be like, so that's all in my head right now. I'm thinking about it. I thought about it last night when I was going to bed. I got nervous about it. Really? Yeah. And I fucking, because we just, we just bought. You know, we talk. We live in very similar homes. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just said, "Fuck it." We, me and my wife, walked into our dream house and was like, "Screw it, I'm doing it." Really? Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Okay. So, uh, so that's happening. So you pulled the trigger. I pulled the fucking trigger hard. So <laughs> just went for it. Really? Now, now, does uh, does that give you anxiety? Oh fuck! I told my wife I'm about to go cut my wife's credit cards up, <laughs> punch her in the face. <laughs> just See, like, do you you run your money then? Oh, everything. My yeah. wife runs all the money. I have no idea. Oh, no. She does. She pays for everything. Yeah. But that's what scares me the most. Is she's got shit that she's just using company credit cards. Like oh, you Target. My wife, my wife gave. My, the, my wife has been helping me with running, selling T-shirts, selling books, and, and putting my schedule. The other day I found she out gave herself a raise. she's been giving herself a salary and, a, and she gave herself a raise. I go, hold on, you get a salary? I go, why don't you just use the money we have? She goes, I feel guilty using our money. So I've been putting money aside for money that I feel like I earned. I go, man, 
I'm fucking, I'm spending, I just spent $300 on knives the other day. Yeah, like yeah, on yeah. pocket knives. <laughs> I bought a snorkel because it had a GoPro attachment to it. Jeez. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's all the shit that I'm trying to like. I go, we are on need only right now. Yeah. And uh, so I, I do think about money, and t- but I don't want to. I know I want to eventually work towards 50 years old. Is yeah. what I'm is the cap on me going crazy, but I feel like until fifty, I'm just gonna say fuck it and just go 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 as hard as I possibly. I could can. do. I could go pretty hard for nine more years. Yeah, let's do it. Like I could, I can go really hard for nine more years. I'm gonna. I'm hoping this book. I'm hoping this book. Um, I guess this won't be out yet. But so if you haven't, please pre-order it. I'm hoping my book. BurtBurtBurt.com, Life of the Party, is a bestseller. Just a low level, low level. I don't need it to be number one bestseller. No. Just, get, just have the title National Bestseller yep. so that I can write a second book. And then I would like – I've already kind of thought this out. I was thinking about this this week because for the first week I didn't have – like I had press every day, but on Saturday – Well, when does it come out? It comes out May 27th. All right, so we need to use the network – to blow it up, please, okay. So that everybody has to focus on getting their friends to do this and buy it at that point. Like if you're a fan of Bert, yeah. Let's all pick a day and just fucking all order it, and so it just gets this huge spike that puts would, it there. I lo- I'm so close it. right now. Yeah, too. yeah. So like I I feel like if I can do that, then what I'd like to do. You ready for my fucking game plan? This yeah, is the way yeah, yeah. I like to dream about the future because I worry about the future. So I'm like, all right, look, I've already fucking had to scrap a lot of things in my head where I was like, I always thought that Tracy Morgan would hear the Tracy Morgan story and and be like, yeah, but apparently he didn't hear the one that I told. And so now he thinks other things. And so he's really upset. So I was like, all right, clearly I'm never going to be friends with Tracy Morgan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's something I've got to be cool with. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, but I was like, here's what what's my plan is. So I want to work for Travel Channel forever. I would like to I would like to be with them for 20 years. I would like to be the Bobby Flay of Travel Channel, always working for them, always doing things for them, always going at ad sales events, always helping that brand. I love that brand. I stand by that brand. I think what they deliver to the two people on television is so worth it. When you have people come up to you like Richard Christie from Howard Stern and say, dude, I went swimming with sharks because I saw you swimming with sharks on Travel oh, Channel. It, is, it makes me feel like I'm doing something cool because yeah. I'm getting people out of their comfort zone. And, and, and I'm teaching them how to travel in a weird way. And having fun. And I love having fun. I want to keep working travel. I want to. St- I will always keep doing stand-up. But I, want to, I would like at 50 for it to be on my terms. Like I, that's, I w- that's what we're talking about. Yes. I want to be on my terms at 50. I want to be doing a tour that I'm cool with. And I would like to own a place in Costa Rica. And I'd like to be writing. I'd like to be like the James Patterson of comedy novels. So I like I have a young kid who's a young writer that St. Martin sends down to me and he sits with me and he helps me work out my next novel and it's I write it but it's like you know I'm helping him groom him like James Patterson does. You know who James Patterson is? No, so what does he do with young He the, brings uh, in a guy that uh kind of helps him type uh, I'm, I'm probably sure. <laughs> Who fucking knows? <laughs> yeah. He did Alex Cross. He did you know Kiss oh, yeah, the Girls. Yeah, 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 all those yeah, guys. Sure, sure, sure. But he, he brings in a young guy to kind of help him do all the grunt heavy work that writing a book takes. So so like instead of going back and forth to the editor, he goes back and forth to this kid. So like I was like I was like I'd love to fucking be living in Costa Rica writing books. 
Like, I would fucking love that. But How's Leanne feel about all that? She's I haven't really ran a pastor. She has another plan. She has another plan. Well, you pay her enough of a salary. And yeah. uh, I think <laughs> she can give herself a When are we going to do an All Things Comedy Tour? We need to do All Things Comedy Tour. And, you know, the other thing I liked when we were in, uh, I like getting potentially, because we do control our own schedules and we have these breaks, I want to do family vacations and and plan out and get a group of us. And then do a bunch of condos somewhere and uh, have a comedian's barbecue, you know, and all the kids together. Yeah. Was that a thing? Tom Pompa? Yeah. He's a great guy to do that with. He'd be oh, so much fun. fuck yeah. And then so he has two little girls the exact same age. It would go nuts to hang out with your girls. And they go, oh, and my daughter, and, like, get them all together. And then my son, we've got to find a buddy for him. But um, Dude, that would be great. So we'll all figure out a place and uh, and do a regular thing. So we should do that. And then All things comedy retreat. Yes, I exactly. love it. Just get a bunch of families together and do oh, it. that would be great. You know, uh, Bernie Brillstein used to do that every year. I think at Christmas they all used to go to the same hotel in Hawaii, and it was a bunch of managers and with all their families and all the guys would sit around and Dude, talk shit. This w- and what you're saying right now is so genius because you know I sat next on a plane. I sat next to uh, Matt Stone yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, and I thought it was Ari at first, so I started videotaping because I was going to scare him, and then I went, "Oh, that's not Ari." But I didn't know it was Matt Stone until the end of the flight. I just knew it wasn't Ari. I, th- I thought he was a musician, to be honest with you. Because he was in all in black and in glasses, and he slept. So I was like, oh, he's coming off of drugs. It's a musician. <laughs> and then at the very end, he said, t- he said something about my ear s- sets. And I have really expensive ear he- headsets. And they're for musicians. And I thought, oh, he recognizes them, but he didn't know what they were. Then we brought up, like, Dimitri Martin randomly, and he knew he was. And he's like, oh, I'm a comedy writer. I was like, okay. And I'm trying to, like, go, do I know this guy? And I'm, like, thinking, oh, it's probably a guy I know. I just don't know his name. And then he said Matt, and I went, oh, fuck, this is Matt Stone. But what they do is they do a retreat for South Park where they all go and they all fucking hang out in the woods or whatever, but they all kind of come up with the season's things. What would be really fucking cool, okay, is all things comedy retreat. We all go with our families. We all have a lot of great, just great fucking good relaxing time fucking around. Being around comics will always help you be right funnier, think funnier. But what would be cool is like one night sit down with all of us and like go, all right, the subject tonight is Bert. How can Bert's career be better? What (laughs) would you like to see more out of Bert? Where do you see Bert's career? And just have like to get notes from other comics about what you're doing or where you should be going. Or just even stand up wise. Like I sat with the Sklar brothers the other day and talked about their next hour and shit like that. And just like, oh, and we were talking. And then I sit with Kevin Christie and Natasha Leggero sometimes. And I was going to do it with Moshe. But four people around a table, half hour each on each other's new shit and to throw a premise out. Fucking done like that. It was. It would great. be so yeah. helpful to be. I mean, you could really. It's like let's streamline the process of our creativity and get with the funniest people in the business and and help at least help at least turn our compass in the right direction. Like, cause like you know sometimes you get lost. Like I get lost on on doing bits, and you're never gonna. I'm never gonna stop writing in the moment and and being what I think is funny in that moment. But it would be nice to see like someone say like. I'll give you the perfect fucking example. Had I never met Rogan, I would never be telling the machine story. And if I had never told the machine story, I would not be where I am today. Uh, had I not sat with John Hodgman, John Hodgman convinced me to tell the fucking shrimp story. I, would, I go to, I go, I shrimp my daughter's dance studio. Yeah. And he goes, please tell me you're doing that on stage. And I go, no, I don't want to be liable. 
for fucking the damage I did. I did damage. <laughs> they replaced things after that. And there was a cleaning crew that came in, yeah. I'm sure. And he goes, comedian sued for shrimping might be the best headline I've ever heard about. <laughs> like, yeah. he goes, you're okay. Just tell the story. But you're right. It's like you need those guys. To steer that, you. Uh, yeah, and Rogan and watching what Joe is doing. Like, I admire him so much. I've known him for a long time. And he has always come up to us, and we were very early on, we were guys hanging out at the comedy store and saying, you guys are all millionaires. You know when he would say that? And say, you He's, guys. Dude, he said that to me. We were, uh, we were hanging out one time, and he said, you're getting paid too little. You got to know that right now. You, you are worth more than you're asking at these clubs. You need to realize your worth. You're a fucking millionaire. You just don't know it. And it but his his insight like i remember he was one reason i started a podcast he's like start it just fucking do it trust me it'll figure itself out i mean uh, the, he said it, to to his fans you go to his comedy shows and you shout the machine until he tells that story and the, when they first did it i could not tell the story and they sat through it those first group of people in columbus and they were like okay that was weird and then the next group was like that was a little weird but it was better and now I do it, and it's a tight fucking story. I would have never done that without the help of another comic going, oh, I know what your moral compass is, or your compass. Your compass is going in that direction. You don't see it because you're so stuck in the woods. But I've been through this part of the woods. The, out, the fucking field is right there. Like, you need that. Yeah, I, I think he's, for a lot of us, a big inspiration. People don't see that, but in terms of, like, going for it, like, he has really done that. And so, yeah, he said we need guys like that. Um Shit, I gotta fucking. I gotta, you gotta roll. Yeah, I gotta go to CAA to talk about stand-up comedy. Nice. Yeah, who's, that's why I was cleaning my car. Who's your rep over at CAA? Joanna Scott. Oh, yeah. thought it was gonna be uh, uh, this guy I went to college with. Who's that? Um, Tom Young. No. Uh, yeah. I left CAA. Yeah. I went to UTA. <laughs> yeah. Better. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah, but sure. for me, it's like I, I sat down and the first thing, like my podcast has been out two. I had two episodes out. I had a meeting at CIA, and I had a meeting then literally minutes later at UTA, and Chris Hart sat down and was like, by the way, I love your fucking podcast. He's like, your dad's hilarious. I was like, this motherfucker listened to my podcast? I was like, that, and that's like, I call them channel markers in this business of like knowing you're going in the right direction, and Chris Hart was a channel marker of going... Uh, hey, can you give me everything you know about Burt Kreischer, what he's doing <laughs> like that? Can you say, I got him coming in at about an hour, and yeah. I need to zip through everything. Thank podcast, you. they all have podcasts. podcasts. What's different what's about his? It? What's it? Yeah. <laughs> his dad, dad is on it? it? Can you listen to that for me and give me some notes? Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait, you listen to it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's all like your dad. Your, your dad is fucking amazing. <laughs> I love him, too. Did you like the part where he said that? Yeah. I fucking loved it. Oh, that's the best. You should be doing theaters. This is, guy knows me. Theaters. He knows me. <laughs> he knows I want to do theaters. Yeah. Chris and Heidi and all of them were all sitting at the table, and Max, and, they, and it was like, they knew my, they knew what I wanted, and I was like, all right. And I've, and ever since I've been there, I've been extremely happy. But I always like the people at CA. Frosty was at CA. Yeah. Is he doing your road work? Yeah, I've talked to him. I talked to him a lot. He's the best. I love cool Frosty. Dude. He's one of my favorite. Send me a fucking uh, a robe, a Niners robe. I got two fucking Yankees robes. One says SportsRobes.com. Yeah, sports robe. Is it sport robe? I, I think, think it's, it's sports sp robe. I think it's sports robes. Robes. SportsRobes.com. You're going to find it. Yeah, if you get, it's <laughs> yeah, great. It's one of Frosty's like one of my oldest friends. Says magical. He goes, if you could be any, if you could have any number in sports, what would your number be? And he goes, I go, I'd probably be a quarterback. I was thinking, I go seventeen. 
<laughs> I think I'd pick 17. I like Steve DeBerg when I was growing up. Yeah. Niner. And then and uh, fucking in the mail, Madrigal, 17 shows up. Okay, boom. I got Chrysler 40 for my 40th birthday. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Well, you came to my 40th birthday. Yeah, I still yeah, have your, your tequila gun right up there. Tequila gun. Fucking, all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool, ladies, are you anything to promote? Uh, you know, I'm on the road. Uh, so, again, yeah, and people can watch this TV show. It's not bad. You can watch it with your wife. It's uh, it's good. About uh, a boy. About a boy. Uh, you're still on the Daily Show. Your podcast is The Dude, Minute Van back. I just saw a cockfight for the first time two days ago. What? I was in Louisiana watching cockfights. For for Daily for, Show? Yes. Wait till this comes out. I got a guy. I don't know if they're going to make it in there, but this guy goes, I got to tell you, Al, I dream about cocks. <laughs> It's like, look at Gotta get in there. <laughs> I dream about cocks. I go, you just say you dream about cocks? Like that. I go, I dream about people. I'm fucking saying I dream about cocks. Uh, because <laughs> this is a dream for <laughs> free right yeah. now. <laughs> all right. Uh, um, thanks, man. Hey, great. I love you all. Thank all right. you. See ya. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.